Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Roisin. Welcome to the Fitness Fertility Podcast. This podcast is all about how improving your physical fitness can help support you on your very own fertility journey. I'm a personal trainer who specialises in training women with fertility problems. I myself have PCOS and have had two beautiful boys, and I'm on a mission to help you do the same. Before we get into it, we will be discussing adult themes such as where do babies come from, pregnancy loss and bereavement. We may also be sweary from time to time. We are optimistic, light-hearted girls, but we know this is a really stressful time for some of our listeners. We respect that. In this week's show, we are discussing the mighty metabolism. This is a very important and very interesting topic, not just for people who are instantly thinking about weight loss, but in terms of your fertility, in terms of as you get older. This is just such a fascinating topic, so I am very excited to get into this. Roshan, I was wondering, when someone says metabolism to you, like what are the types of things that pop into your mind? I used to think it was the speed at which food went through my system (laughs) from entry to exit point, which is obviously completely wrong. But that's what I used to think. And I remember people would have throwaway comments when we were young, like, oh, well, they've got such fast metabolisms at their age. Mm. And I just Mm. kind of assumed, all right, so maybe this food doesn't hang around much. Maybe it hangs around more when you're kind of older (laughs) and starts creating kind of odd shapes in the center of your body. (laughs) I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing because it shows how easy it is, especially when you're younger, to pick up an idea. And then that is just the idea that you have in your head. And sometimes you don't even know that that's what you think until someone then corrects you. And I just love that this was your idea of metabolism. It's it's quite a cute, Roisin, you know, I like it. I also had this idea when I was young that girls give birth to girls and boys give birth to boys. I remember being disabused of that one. And being horrified by the injustice of it all. It is an injustice. Roshan, did you do sex ed in school? (laughs) I'm just checking. The baby thing was probably before I was seven. That's when I was disabused of that. The metabolism thing stayed around till sadly my metabolism started to slow and I had to actually have a look at it for the first time. And you're absolutely right until you get to the point where it's perhaps harder to lose the weight or the weight goes on more easily or you're just feeling a bit squishier than you're perhaps used to. That does tend to be the point where people start to look at metabolism. So I guess the first thing to do is just um, debunk this myth, Roisin, of what metabolism is, (laughs) just so people know. Metabolism is everything that your body does to turn food into energy and basically just keep you going. It's a little bit like your engine just revving. And you are right, Roshin, in that some people do have a faster metabolism than others. And there's all kind of different reasons for that. There are lots of different things that can affect your metabolism, which I'm guessing is what you started to look into. Your metabolism is just this thing ticking in the background and it's turning your food into energy. As we get older, and obviously this is where it gets interesting, your metabolism changes. So it doesn't stay constant throughout your life. This can be where people start to struggle with things like weight gain or it's harder to lose the weight. But the good news is there are lots of things you can do. So what we're going to look at today is what can you actually do to support a healthy metabolism? And the reason I'm looking forward to talking about this is because when it comes to fertility, we just want you really nice and healthy anyway. So it's a good thing to be aware of your metabolism. For some people, unfortunately, if their BMI is too high, they need to get it lower for fertility treatment. And it could be that there are things they can do with their metabolism to really help them burn more calories and help them lose the weight in a healthy way to access that um, fertility treatment. 
No, it's really good stuff. If you get a hold of your metabolism and manage to speed it up, you do get that holy grail mm. of being able to eat more and continue to lose some weight. I'm in. <laughs> it's a tricky balance, isn't it? Let's start with the, how do you measure your metabolism? Fabulous question. The thing that you need to know when it comes to metabolism is a measure called your basal metabolic rate. And your BMR is the amount of energy that you use when you're not doing anything. Like the amount of energy that if you were just in bed all day, it's the amount of energy that just keeps your body functioning, absolute basic level. What that means is the energy that you're using is just keeping the absolute vital functions ticking over, but you're not doing any exercise, you're not eating anything. It's this absolute basic measure. And actually what's really interesting is about 70% roughly of your calories each day is just due to this. It's just your body kind of taking over. So your body requires energy just to function. Any physical activity you do makes up around 20% of your daily expenditure. And then you actually use calories to digest food. And this is something known as thermogenesis. So you use about 10% of your daily calories for the actual digestion of food. Roshin, this makes me think of things like, oh, chew on a celery stick. It uses more to digest it than it does to eat it. Yeah, actually, the celery thing is quite interesting because in theory, yes, a raw celery stick, I think, is about six calories. So it takes your body a while to chew it and digest it and get it from one end to the other. But if you cook celery, you actually soften it and therefore the calorie count and piece of celery actually goes up. Because your body can uh, digest it a lot quicker and a lot smoother and it's, it's not oh. taking that energy out. So all food requires energy to chew it and to process it in your stomach and your lower intestines and evacuate it and the whole nine yards. It takes a fair amount of energy. But I think from a BMR point of view, I believe it's your brain capacity that's taking up the lion's share of those calories at rest. It's one of the biggest calorie sucks we have. So definitely keep using it. One of the things when we're looking at BMR is this idea of NEAT. NEAT stands for Non-Exercise Activity Thermogenesis. Cool thing about NEAT activities are that these are day-to-day -day things that you do that do massively help with your health. And there's a lot of research around this at the minute that just says if people did more of these NEAT activities, actually everybody would be healthier. If you do have a really physical job, you know, like if you're an agricultural worker, I saw the bin men, as we call them the other day, and I've got a huge amount of respect for their job. But one of them was actually running alongside the bin lorry. And I was just thinking, oh my God, the amount of energy they must use. They were running alongside the bin lorry. They were lifting up these massive bags of rubbish and they were chucking them in the back of the lorry. That's like a full on workout. Really physical. Really physical. I was like, God, these guys must be so fit. And it, and it was guys in this particular instant, but those particular people would have kind of a high neat score. Sure if that makes sense, if you were going to measure their NEAT score. And it might be for them or people that do a lot of NEAT activities, your basal metabolic rate might be ticking over quite nicely. It might be fine. You might not need to smash it in the gym because actually you're okay. But again, it comes down to your lifestyle and how much activity you actually do in your day-to-day -day life. And it's strange when you say that about your work, because I found when I started putting on, I suppose, a little bit more lumber was when I went from being a student to being a full time office based employee. So I'm no longer 
uh, walking mm-hmm. and I used to walk to college and I used to walk between classes and then you walk home. Mm-hmm. Obviously, no, I wasn't driving at the time. And then suddenly I went from that to being a car owner that had a, a nine to six job. Mm-hmm. At that point in your life, your neat is being removed. And as part of neat, a lot of trainers recommend, and I think Marie would as well, is your step count. This is where this whole idea of your 10,000 steps comes in. It's encouraging neat activities, but it is really dependent on your lifestyle. Like, for example, I working from an office for most of the day have to nip out maybe at lunchtime, maybe you have to nip out after work. Maybe mm. if it's if it's winter, it's dark. I might want to go out in the dark. I might find it very difficult to get those 10,000 steps. But I remember years ago, I was at a wedding and I was sat beside a farmer and he had told me that the day before on his Fitbit, he had done 21,000 steps just because of his work. Wow. Just because wow. of his yeah. work. And that wasn't even including things like lifting up and putting down. So I am very aware that NEAT requires time because it's low impact. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And it tends to require a long runway. And sometimes it's very difficult to get the time to fit it in. It does. And I think one of the things that we will all know that happened over COVID was everybody started working at home and they started sitting in front of their laptops all day. We're all on Teams or Zoom or whatever provider of your choice. Some of us were on for eight hours a day, not even going to see your pal across the office, not going to the water cooler or the coffee machine. You're just sat there. Yeah. And obviously people weren't going to the gym. I absolutely understand the need for neat exercises. I'm very pro neat Don't take the elevator, take the step, park further away from the office and walk in, get off the train, stop early. Everyone would have heard some version of this. What they're trying to do with this advice is to increase this bit of exercise that you're not really thinking is exercise. One of my favourite neat exercises, and for anyone that knows me might laugh, is fidgeting because I cannot sit still. (laughs) And fidgeting is one of these things that actually burns calories and it just supports your metabolism. And actually, I was looking at some information around this. And for people that have things like PCOS and insulin resistance, walking for 10 minutes after a meal has been shown to massively help with insulin resistance. But fidgeting is another one because actually your body is moving all the time. And you see so many people that are just sitting there tap, 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 tapping away. I am one of those people. It's actually weirdly useful and it's considered one of your neat movements that you can take on board. And the other thing, Roshan, is just standing up, just actually being upright just burns more calories. While we're talking about sitting and standing up, one of the other, just as an aside, one of the other really negative things about sitting down all day is the effect it has on your glutes and your hip flexors and your lower back. Basically, what happens is when you're sitting kind of hunched over all day, all those muscles get shortened. Your glutes don't work as well anymore. And this is why so many people started to experience things like lower back pain, hip pain, because everything is crumpled up. You're not stretching it out. You're not strengthening it. You start to lose muscle and it's just a disaster, basically. If you're in an office-based job and you have to be in front of that screen for six to eight hours, one of the things you can do is you can change your chair. So you can use an exercise ball. I know you just don't want to be that person in work. <laughs> but we actually, a really good friend, Paddy, is the fittest person ever. And he used to sit in a medicine ball as part of his daily activities. And it's all about strengthening the core because you have to keep yourself stable. And also it makes it really easy to kind of fidget, as Maria said. It makes it easier to move around. I'm a fidgeter. 
The other thing that some people do, and this is a real thing, I promise, is you have a standing desk. One of my friends who's now a physio, she was having a lot of hip trouble for various reasons. She actually had the desk raised and she just had a standing desk at work. I think one of the barriers to this is like you just said, you don't want to be that person that's like merrily bouncing on your exercise ball. However, when you are burning more calories, when your core is stronger, when your hips are less painful, you'll be very glad of the benefits. But yes, standing, that's another one you can do. You can just stand at your desk. As a result of COVID, a lot more people are working from home. So you can have any desk you want. Mm -hmm. You can have any wobble seat you want. Mm -hmm. You can have any kind of mm -hmm. variation. And then on the days that you're in the office, you can just sit down like everybody else. If you can hack it, if you can get those steps in, that extra movement in, extra core stability when you're working from your desk, it really adds up. Sorry to interrupt, but I'm delighted to let you know that if you're looking for support around both fitness and nutrition, Julia Young and I have teamed up again for the third year in a row to bring you our awesome eight-week Taking Charge of Your Fertility course. This eight-week course provides fertility nutrition education and coaching, as well as a fertility-focused eight-week training plan. For more information, head over to fitnessfertility.com forward slash take charge. And now back to the show. The other thing that you can do when it comes to exercise is kind of the opposite of neaten away, which is really adding into the intensity and also weight training, resistance training. And we keep talking about resistance training because it's just good for everything. Like it's basically coming up every week at the minute, but it's good for everything. So on the one hand, you've got your neat exercises. On the other hand, you've got things like interval training and things like weight training as well. The reason interval training, which is work time, rest time, work time, rest time. The reason that can be so good for you is that you can burn a lot more calories in a shorter amount of time. For example, you might run for a minute and then walk for two minutes and then you would repeat that pattern for every kind of 20 to 30 minutes. And the idea is that you're just burning more calories in less time. This is really good for your metabolism. It's really good for your BMI, which is really important for fertility. Interval training is a good cardio way to support your metabolism. And then the other one, like I said, is weight training, which Roisin is one of your favourites indeed. She's she's showing me her guns at the minute. They're looking good. One of the reasons I think Roisin loves weight training is, firstly, you do look great. When you weight train, you can develop this really lovely physique. But the other thing is it can really help with your metabolism and your BMR because what happens is muscle burns more calories when you're just lying around doing nothing than fat does. So you are literally building your body to burn more calories, which is very cool. So by weight training, by lifting heavy things, you build up muscle, muscle burns more calories. This is massively important for anyone that wants to have a nice, healthy metabolism and a nice, healthy BMR. And if you ever read around this or look into it, if you ever um, like follow bodybuilders or people that are just absolutely ripped, if you look at what they eat in a day, their calorie intake is quite often massive just to maintain the amount of muscle they have, they have to eat thousands of calories. And this is where you hear all these stories of, you know, the world's strongest man. He's getting up at five in the morning. He's having his 15 eggs. Then he's having his bacon. Then he's having his burrito. I'm not making this up, by the way. This was something I was reading about the other day. This is purely they need to get enough calories in to not start to lose muscle. Their basal metabolic rate is running at such a high level that they are just ticking over and over and over and over. So they have to eat an absolute ton of food, which Roshan is what you were saying, is why we love metabolism, because the faster the metabolism or the health in the metabolism, the more we can eat. Hooray! 
increasing that BMR is so important because there is loads of things that are going to work against your BMR. There's loads of things that make it slow down. And I think that's probably what we're going to go on to next. Why does it slow? And unfortunately, it does. It slows for everyone. And it tends to be age. Oh, there are two key things. Age. Age is against us here. Anything to do with fertility, it just kind of sucks a little bit. So metabolism will slow down as you age. And the other thing, which hopefully now will make sense, is loss of muscle mass. And obviously the two go together. There's a few reasons why age has such a big role to play here. One of the things we've kind of touched on, which is for a lot of people, as you get older, you actually get less active. This will not apply to everybody, but you gave a really nice example earlier, Roshin, of You know, when you're a student, most people can't afford a car. But as you get a little bit older, you start to have some money, you buy a car. That might wipe out half an hour to an hour of walking a day. I remember at university, I used to walk well over an hour a day. You probably have more of a job, so you become less physically active. This can lead to weight gain for obvious reasons, cardiovascular disease for obvious reasons. But just not being active, not getting those neat exercises in can also cause your metabolism to slow down. So you've definitely got those environmental factors, but but you've also got those physical factors too. The art of aging is really the art of losing muscle, isn't it? Oh, I know. One of the things I'm really working on with my clients is really actually reflecting on the kind of neat you've done in the day. Because let's say we have a weekly check-in and you say, yeah, 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 I'm definitely walking my 10,000 steps a day. And then we look at the data because the good thing with the app I use is if you've got a smartwatch, you can hook it up. So what I do is I look back over your data for a week and I say, uh-huh, yeah. But on Wednesday, you only walked 5,000 steps. And then my client says, no. And I say, yes, I've got the data. So one of the things that I'm really really just kind of drill down on is the nice, simple things of, did you actually do that? Did you actually get up off your desk every hour and do 10 squats? Which by the way, is something one of my friends does. So she works at home and every hour she gets up and she moves around and we're reflecting on the nice basic things. And I think one of the problems is with your neat exercises, they're so obvious. You think you've done them and actually you haven't. It's all about really paying attention and intention setting, which is what my intention setting Sunday is all about. And then actually tracking it. So actually reflecting on the week and saying, okay, these were my intentions, but did I actually get 10,000 steps in every day? Oh, actually on two of those days I didn't. Okay. Well, let's see why didn't you? Because I had five meetings that day. Okay. So we need to build in a strategy to make sure that you are becoming more active. You're getting your exercises in and you're not just assuming that you're doing it. Because the whole point here is we don't want your metabolism to slow down. We need to fight the good fight. Sure. And uh, also one bad day doesn't lead to complete catastrophe. Exactly. I always look at it over the week. If I'm looking at my steps, for example, maybe I'm at the desk more than usual. I will pencil in a walk with a friend on a Sunday. Yes. That 10,000 steps, it's an average I have a cunning idea, Roisin. What we could say is to try and help you get in a few extra steps every week when you're listening to the Fitness Fertility Podcast, get up and go for a walk. Listen to it on the move because then you're increasing your steps. You know, you're looking at maybe a good half an hour. Don't just sit on your sofa, get out and go for a walk at the same time and just build it into your week. Everyone's a winner. Everyone's a winner. Is there anything else that affects metabolism apart from age? Yeah. When I was doing a deep dive for this week's show, this was something that was particularly interesting. Gender and your genes, your biological genes, they also play a role in your metabolism. And again, this is really interesting because it's linking back to muscle mass. And so because men tend to have more muscle mass, 
Therefore, they tend to have a faster metabolism because like we said, your muscles are burning more calories than your fat. Just by being a male, there will be averages here, but just by being male and just by more naturally having more muscle mass, you will actually tend to have a faster metabolism. So gender is a really interesting factor that comes into play here. And what's also interesting is when it comes to genes, the genes that you inherit will also determine things like your muscle size and how easy it is for you to put on muscle, which again is just really interesting. And when you look at families, you know, you will see similar body shapes. And this is because of your genes. Your phenotype is the expression of your genes. So your genes obviously are like coding and then your phenotype is how that coding shows itself. And that comes out in muscles too. And like we said before, the more muscle you have, the better your metabolism, but your genes have also been linked to your metabolism. So your genes, your gender, your age, and all of that links into your muscle mass as well. And when we're just looking at age, just in case anyone's wondering, the research is suggesting that by the age of 30, this is where for a lot of people, you will start to notice that just losing weight isn't as easy as it used to be. You know, it used to be relatively straightforward. You'd do some kind of healthy eating for a couple of weeks and you'd be half stone lighter. By the time you get to 30, this can be a lot harder. So we have this problem that our bodies want to slow down and As women, we carry more fat than men and we don't have as much testosterone as men. So therefore, we can't form those beautiful muscles as quickly. We're kind of swimming against the tide a little bit here, but it's really important that we do it because we got to keep that metabolic function up because we want to eat well and we want to enjoy our lives and we want to look good and feel good and be ready for pregnancy and be ready for birth. What practical steps can we take? We've already talked about building muscle. That is genuinely one of your biggest things to do here. And we've talked about being active. When it comes to actual nutrition, though, fueling your body, and I do use the word fueling on purpose because it is to do with energy expenditure, but fueling your body is really, really important. Not only because we want to get in all the good stuff, you know, we want to get in all the colours, we want the kind of lean protein in, we want the lovely uh, vitamins and minerals. But one of the other things that happen is you need enough fuel to allow your metabolism to tick over. If you don't have enough calories coming in, this can actually cause your metabolism to slow down. You basically need calories to burn calories. That's the easiest way of putting this. I think it was Katie Bradbury, actually, that we had on the show, The Nutritionist, and she was telling us about one of her clients. And what she was saying is this client, you know, they were on the like three meal replacements a day, basically, and they were stuck, you know, they were trying to get ready for fertility treatment. She got her eating actual food and then she started to lose weight. And part of it is you need fuel to burn calories. So it is genuinely really important to eat a balanced diet, to fuel your body appropriately. And just to make sure that your body doesn't think it's in any kind of danger or crisis mode. And this will help your metabolism and keep it ticking over. So for some people, you actually need to eat more to get your metabolism to do its job. Yo-yo dieting will absolutely kill your basal metabolic rate. And I know this from bitter experience. When I went to lose weight after having my oldest girl, I just thought, you know, I just want to get this weight off really quick. I just went at it. 
And I got all that weight off and I felt great. And then I got pregnant again and did the same thing. And then, of course, I'm trying to get the weight off again. So I'm yo-yoing, but I didn't realize I was yo-yoing. In the space of three years, I had obviously gone up four stone, come down four stone, gone up four stone, come down four stone after baby number two and really struggling to try and get the weight off. Uh, I went to a doctor, blamed my situation that I'm not eating anything, but I'm not losing anything. And BMR was explained to me in pretty, you know, stark terms that my body was so confused <laughs> and I had kind of reset my BMR too low. So I had to, just as uh, Katie's uh, client had to, I had to actually learn to put three squares of decent food away. And that's mm. how I ended up raising my basal metabolic rate. I had to go to the gym. This is really when mm. I started exercising and really started lifting those weights. And that's when I started getting my, my burn rate up. And that's when I could eat more food and maintain. There is a DEXA scan that you can go for. It is a bit pricey, but actually it covers your bone density. It covers your body fat percentage. It co covers your BMR. So if you really are at that point where you've hit the diets for so many years, the half stone goes on every year, regardless of what you do. You feel mm. slightly out of control with that. I'm hungry and I'm not losing it. You might have just burned your BMR. I would thoroughly recommend if you want to get some information about it, go and get a DEXA scan. At the time that I got on the mm. DEXA scan, this is this is terrible. I was burning 1,300 calories wow. a day to maintain. I genuinely remember you telling me about this because... 1300 is nothing. It really didn't leave me anywhere to go. I absolutely messed up my own BMR and I did it because I was yo-yoing. The only way out of it for me was actually to eat more food and to do more weights. And now I, I happily eat like 2000 calories a day. So yes, food, um, you really, really do need to nourish your, your body well and you know, like we said, you need to ingest calories to burn calories. And kind of on a related note, the other one that's really crucial is water. You have to drink water. This is massive. Water is absolutely crucial for metabolism. It's also absolutely crucial for your muscles. And the other thing that I really like is green tea has also been shown to boost your metabolism. And I have to say, I do go through phases with green tea. We all know I do enjoy my herbal teas of an evening. Green tea, just be careful because it can have caffeine in. So if you're not into caffeine, then perhaps leave that for now. But again, water is one of those things where if I speak to clients, how much water have you drank today? Definitely two litres. Okay, let's talk me through your day. Well, you know, I had a glass uh, with my coffee. Well, they probably cancelled each other out, you know, and then I had a glass at lunch. All right. So a lot of my clients at the minute actually do have, as their habit, drinking more water and then we quantify it. So, you know, we're going for at least a litre and a half. The other thing that we're going to talk about, Roisin, I'm not going to lie, it gives me chills. Cold water immersion, drinking cold water as well. So when it comes to your basal metabolic rate, there's some really nice research on this, actually. And one of the things, it was just like a nice little story that I came across. There's a group of Korean women and basically they earn their living. They dive for seafood and they dive in the waters off Jeju Island. I apologise if I've said that wrong, which is basically an island off, off South Korea. Until recently, they just wore a thin cotton bathing suit and the water was 10 to 25 degrees. And the incredible thing was, when the researchers studied these women, they found that their basal metabolic rate was significantly higher during the winter diving months than on the summer dives. And I just love that because it's a natural study, tells us a couple of things. Firstly, your basal metabolic rate can change. 
depending on your environment, which is really important because that's everything we're talking about. And it also suggests that cold can have a massive effect on your uh, basal metabolic rate. And drinking cold water can just help you burn a few extra little calories. The research on this is a little bit scarce, I'm not going to lie, but there is some out there. There's also some research that says, by the way, don't drink too much really cold water because that can also be bad for you. You know, we've got to get the balance right. But cold water, lots of research around this. It can help burn fat and it can be a really good way to boost your metabolism. Yeah, I love athletes use it as well from a muscle point of view, from muscle repair. Cold water therapy has been around for, I know it's quite in vogue now, but I heard about 10 years ago. You're making your body work hard to heat up. You're cooling it down to burn calories, to raise everything back to where your body likes to be. But what I think is remarkable with cold water immersion is the psychological and dental health benefits that seem to come along with it. Now, I don't mind cold water immersion. I don't do it really regularly. I certainly do it more than Maria, but I wouldn't be, you know, an aficionado at all. But anyone that I know that does it and does it on a regular basis talks about the parasympathetic system, the fact that their ability to deal with stress and anxiety really improves. The real advocates from it, so not just from the weight loss, which you'll get because you are you're doing an activity. So you're out and you're walking, you're jumping in water, you're doing that. So you're doing all that exercise stuff we talked about. Then cold water is going to make you do all that neat stuff we talked about. You're going to be shivering. You're going to be agitated. You're going to be moving around, quickly getting dressed, quickly getting changed. OK, so you got all your neat stuff. Your BMR raises because at rest, your body's going to be for the rest of the day trying to heat you up. Because it's a slow process, so mm. it's going to take you a couple of hours mm-hmm. to get there. So you have all that good stuff. But the mental health side of things, it's been a game changer for some people I know. It's been a real game changer. It definitely used to be something people used to do kind of pre-mental health medication. Big buckets of cold water, being immersed in cold water, it kind of being dunked over your head. These were things that were definitely used to try and treat people with you know, various mental ailments, as they would perhaps call them at the time. For anyone that is interested in trying cold water immersion, again, this is interesting because some of my clients were chatting to each other about this in the week. A lot of males come to it for male fertility because it's obviously to do with the testicles and keeping the sperm at a nice healthy temperature. So a lot of males will get involved in cold water immersion purely for fertility. If you are interested in trying it though, just to be clear, we don't want you to go and find a, you know, a semi-frozen lake and just jump into it, please. Okay. There are serious health warnings that come with uh, cold water immersion. You know, you can catch hypothermia and it can be really dangerous. So the kind of safest and easiest way to start is just in your shower. Then you gradually just build up the cold exposure. I really do hate cold water, but I looked at a lot of research. I am nearly convinced to give it a go. Genuinely, I'm thinking about turning that shower down just a little bit just to see what happens. So I will report back. And if anyone else wants to give it a go and wants to let us know how to get on, we'd love to hear. It's all about the cold water, Maria. What will we be discussing next week? Next week, we are going to be talking about sex. Very exciting. So Tuesday's focus will be all about sex when trying to conceive. The Fitness Fertility Podcast on Friday is going to be all about supplements. We're going for the S's next week, Roisin. Sex and supplements. Sexy supplements. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. Remember to subscribe to get a shiny new episode each week. And please rate, comment and really importantly share with your friends, especially our trying to conceive sisters. 
You never know who's struggling and they may need that little bit of extra help. This may come as a surprise, but we are not doctors. We strongly recommend that you consult with your doctor before beginning any exercise or nutrition programme. Get everything checked out first. Your safety is our priority. This has been a Worth a Listen production.